It goes something like this. God, here's what I'm doing. Now bless my plans. I'm presuming you're going to answer here. But faith is something completely different. Faith knows God has spoke or you're trusting God. Sometimes I'm gonna, I step out many times and say, Lord, I don't know if this is you or not. It seems like a good godly direction. It lines up with your word. I've sought godly counsel and I'm going to step out in this direction, trusting you. It's very hard to go wrong doing that if you're trusting God through the whole thing. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear part one of a powerfully encouraging message titled, Difficulties, Stepping Stones, Not Stumbling Blocks. Amazing Grace author John Newton once said, If the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eye is upon us, his arm over us, his ear open to our prayer. His grace sufficient, his promise unchangeable. Please join us for today's uplifting message of hope as Pastor Shane revitalizes us with the truth of God's living word, reminding us to cast all our fears, all anxiety on Jesus today, for he truly does care for you. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. We are going to do a quick survey through the life of Elisha out of the Old Testament. And the title of the message is Difficulties, Stepping Stones, Not Stumbling Blocks. I'm going to say that again. Difficulties can be stepping stones, not what? Stumbling blocks. Now the prophets, I talk about Elijah being a prophet. What were the prophets? Well, the prophets, who were they? They were primarily in the Old Testament. And what God would do, he would raise up a prophet, a prophetic voice, for what was the main reason? Bring the people back to God to be that spokesperson, to be that voice crying in the wilderness. That's why Jesus said there was none, uh, no prophet better than John the Baptist because of that, that calling he had. And, and then you get into the New Testament and you don't have what would be called the prophets. Uh, the prophets were primarily capital P that would, that would preach and they were statesmen. They were reformers. They were authors. Uh, they were, um, Preachers, reformers, statesmen, and authors. They would write books of the Bible. They would call the people back. And then we get into the New Testament. And as a church that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we still believe that there is that prophetic type of calling. Uh, you have a calling of an evangelist, uh, say a Greg Laurie, uh, Billy Graham. You have a calling of a pastor, teacher. Uh, you have that apostolic calling, which would be planting churches. An, an apostle, small a, 
they are called to plant churches and they kind of, they go out and they build churches. And then you have someone who has a prophetic type calling, maybe a Leonard Ravenhill, if you've heard that name, or A.W. Tozer and uh, that different prophetic calling. I feel I have that calling uh, even for the today. God has given me that, that John the Baptist voice crying in the wilderness type of call. And we can't put that on other people. Why don't you preach like this? Well, they might not have that call. They not might be, they might be more that, that evangelist or that shepherd and that, that pastor teacher. And many times you'll see that the, those characteristics are in one person. Shepherding, pastoring, uh, that prophetic type of call. But I'm hesitant on using that word prophet nowadays. Uh, with with the churches and the charismatic movement, and you got this weird stuff. But there is a there's a prophetic calling, and that's what Elisha had. He had the prophetic calling of God on his life. So who were they primarily in the Old Testament? What did they do? Well, they told people what they didn't want to hear. If I could sum it up for you, they would tell the kings what they didn't want to hear. Elisha would tell Ahab, Jeremiah would tell such and such, Isaiah would tell such and such, and Joel would tell the king, and Amos and Obadiah, and they would have different prophets that would come alongside the king. That's why I'm glad that at least this president, maybe other presidents, allow people, bold Christians, to be part of their advisory board and to speak into the life, that give that that prophetic type calling. Uh, where were they? Obviously, Back in the time of, of Jesus, they were in the nation of Israel, written, uh, the prophets lived uh, probably all the way from, you see the word with uh, S- uh, Saul, Solomon, David, down the kings, down the line of the kings, but they are actually called seers before that, S-E-E-R, seer, meaning vision, they could see what God was doing, and then they, be, then they became a prophet, like the prophet of Samuel. Now, we find Elisha, though, he is not a, uh, well, there's not a book of the Bible written after him. So we start in 1 Kings 17, there's too much text to put up there, so you can listen or follow along in 1 Kings 17, chapter 17, and it said, Elisha the Tishabite, and if you look at the Septuagint, what that is, it's a, it's a Greek, uh, new, it's a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And they gave, a, gave a lot more clarity here. It talks about the land he was from, he, where he was from in the area there. And that's what Tishabite means. Elisha the Tishabite, the area he was from, which was in Gilad. He said this to Ahab, who was the king. He said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So he predicted a drought. And that's often what they did. They would predict things. So a prophet was also, not only did he foretell, he foretold things that would happen. And how they would measure a true prophet was that if it came to pass, he's a prophet. If it didn't, well... The outcome wasn't good. They could stone that person. So you're very careful when you said, thus saith the Lord. It's a good rule to follow today too, I believe. So as the Lord God of Israel lives, he said, there will be no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elisha is going to go to a place where there is water by this brook, and also the ravens were going to bring him food, nourishment to eat. 
So we can learn something here. The word of the Lord never fails. When God says something, it will come to pass. What he says in his word will not fail. Has he spoken something to you that you know that it was God putting it on your heart? You know that it confirmed it in scripture. You know, Lord, the Lord spoke to me in this area. Don't give up. Don't give up because that word doesn't fail. If it was God, it will not fall to the ground. It will not fail. Now we might say, was it from the Lord? Was it not? That's a whole nother sermon. But if you know God has given you a word, and what I mean by that, he, he, sometimes you're reading through Scripture and something leaps out, uh, or you'll wake up in Psalm 118, what is that? And, and God begins to direct you through His word. That word will never fail. But Shane, it's not happening. Welcome to the club. It's hard to wait, isn't it? But that's really when your faith is tested. See, faith isn't really faith until it's tested. If it's not tested... That's not faith. That's, well, I see it happening. I don't need faith. Faith, the Bible talks about faith as the evidence of things not seen. It's, it's, it's something we hope for that isn't seen yet. Also, this is a good reminder that famines can have a person. Uh, have, I'm sorry, famines can have a purpose that is not immediately known. Anytime something begins to dry up in our life, a famine comes in financially, relationally, maybe God is distant, There's often a purpose. There can be a purpose in that God-given famine. When God begins to remove things from our life, there can be a purpose if we seek Him. And then it says, the Lord provided. So the Lord is not limited by resources. Sometimes we forget that. We think, well, God's limited. He's not going to be able to see me through on this one. So we see here He's not limited by resources. He can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, however He wants. And then verse 5, it talks about Elisha. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Isn't this interesting? God said, I'm going to give you a brook. Go by this brook. Here's all your water. Here's your nourishment. Oh, this is wonderful. Have you ever tasted a fresh brook from the snow-covered mountains? It's pretty refreshing. And then what happened? It dries up. It's gone. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So we see also this can be a test. Will Elisha do what God told him to do? Will I do according to what God has called me to do? And often the things we can rely on, here's a good, a good lesson tonight. The things we often can rely on, God might allow them to dry up. Whether it's that job That relationship, that sense of of nourishment, that you get nourishment somewhere, something you're relying on something. Isn't it interesting how we rely so often? uh, Many people in the workforce, like I'm just relying on that check. It's coming month to month for the next 30 years. I've got this nice retirement and I've got this nice plan. I've got this wonderful thing laid out and then the brook dries up. Now, a couple different things here. This will hopefully motivate us to seek God even more. When things begin to dry up, we begin to seek God even more. Or what did God do in this case? He caused Elijah to move to a different location. So don't rule that out. Sometimes God might dry up your brook to get you to move off that mountain. He might allow a difficulty, a season in life, something uh, to, to God will take away in order to move you on. So again, we see that difficulties can be stepping stones, not stumbling blocks, if we allow God to move us. And then we see he's going to switch stories now. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, 
which belongs to Sidon, or Sidon, however you want to pronounce it, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a window, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me some water and bread. I paraphrase that briefly. So we see here is God speaking to you daily in his word. He told Elisha, go arise, go and do this. And it's so important, folks, if we just, we need, need to spend that time with God. So he, and I believe he'll speak to you through his word. Arise and do this. Arise and go here. Talk to this person. Take this test, uh, that, that I'm giving you that you're going through. Maybe at work and holding on to a, to a job and a hard work environment. We, we just never know. You may be nervous, but there is peace. So think about that when determining God's will and listening to his voice. There, you might be nervous. Anyone nervous about doing something for God, but you know it's God? There's peace though, correct? Because many times people say, well, Shane, I, I have peace, but oh, this is going to be challenging. Yes, it will. God's will isn't always easy and, and no conflict, no friction. It's, it's often involves conflict. It involves friction. It involves going against the grain, walking against the, 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 the d- direction and the flow of the world. But you have peace knowing, okay, this is what God has called me to do. This is what he wants me to do. But he's telling her to, to make him some, some bread and bring him some water. But she said, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat of it and then die. So this is what you call a last meal. She didn't have any other resources. Everything had dried up. And God, God was asking Elisha to have her make him something to eat. So this is where we find true faith is always challenged, always stretched, and always tested. This is where Christians often get worn out and give up. We say, well, this is getting difficult. Well, yeah, that's sometimes part of the plan. But this is my last resource. But we're running out of money. Uh, but God wants me to give this or do this. And, but I don't see how this is going to work. But God is not restricted by what we're restricted with, our financial means, our boundaries. God has no restrictions. So he often calls us like Elisha, like the lady here, to exhibit true faith. And then Elisha said to her, do not fear, go, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So basically saying, don't fear, don't fear. Go and make these things for me, and God is going to give you a surplus. And I've seen that many times. When we when we step out in faith and we give God something, whatever that is, whether it's financially or our time or or just whatever whatever we think we can't do without, and we give that up, God often, not always so, God often brings back even more abundantly and blesses us beyond what we thought or imagined. Now we don't do it for that reason. You know, I know a lot of people, if I give that, you know, hear those guys on TV, just send in your $1,000. By next month, that $10,000 return, just, I don't know where it's going to come from. They say IRS tax, tax credit or, or business endeavor, who knows, but you're going to get this. So, so many people give expecting, expecting, can't wait to get that return. The heart's not right. 
We give not knowing what God's going to do in return, but know that he can bless us and often does. But we also see here that fear opposes faith. That's the greatest enemy to faith. The greatest enemy to faith is what? Fear. Okay, we're learning here. You can have, okay, faith, God's called me to do this, but what if I fail? What if this doesn't work? Now, we have to be wise. I've just told someone last week, there's a fine line between faith and presumption. Many people get in trouble presuming things. So they're not really stepping out in faith. They're presuming. It goes something like this. God, here's what I'm doing. Now bless my plans. I'm presuming you're going to answer here. But faith is something completely different. Faith knows God has spoke or you're trusting God. Sometimes I'm gonna, I step out many times and say, Lord, I don't know if this is you or not. It seems like a good godly direction. It lines up with your word. I've sought godly counsel and I'm going to step out in this direction, trusting you. It's very hard to go that, that go wrong doing that if you're trusting God through the whole thing. And then also we see here how she put others first. She put Elisha first and God blesses that. And then again, another reminder, God's provision is often just enough. Don't we want God, when he answers, don't we want, you know, we need $1,000. Don't you want 100000 so you can put 99000 in the bank for later? It's always that rent is due or this is just enough. Just enough provision, just enough. Doesn't always take it far beyond that. And then verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elisha. And she and her whole household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elisha. So she was blessed by that. And then verse 17, now a widow's son died. Her son, I believe it's the same lady, her son dies. Now it happened after these things, that son of the woman who owed the house became sick, who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left left in him. So she said, Elisha, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to, to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? So he just blessed this, this family. Her, 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 uh, her, uh, Oil was, was refilled. Her flour was re, re, refilled. Everything's going good. And then calamity. Now her son dies and she is blaming her sin. But it's another good reminder that calamity, sickness is not always linked to sin. And that can happen in the Christian church sometimes. We link everything to sin. Well, you must be sinning. Is there any sin in your life? But then the other side often will say, well, it doesn't, God doesn't do that anymore. We do know that sometimes sin can be linked to sickness. We, it, James is clear on that. So it's always good to do inventory and say, God, is there anything in me preventing this healing? Or is there anything in me causing this? Lord, show me and God will show you. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it's just like Jesus said, this, this person was not blind because of sin, but to show the glory of God. And we, we see sometimes that God allows things so his glory is, is revealed. And he said to her, give me your son. So he took the son. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodge? Listen to this. He, he cried out to the Lord. 
And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elisha and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Now what I want to do tonight, I didn't want to go into another section and go too long. I want to just do some challenging questions out there and, and, uh, and during worship where we can really ponder these. But I want to ask this, has anything dried up in your life? Is there anything dried up? Is God wanting to move you on? Like we saw with the brook or we saw in our own lives. Is there something maybe that you're trying to hold on to? You're trying to hang on to. You're trying to fight for, but God is drying it up and wants you to move on. I don't know, but I know who does know. Yes. God, in prayer, He will direct you. What fears that we learned earlier? What fears do you need to give to God? Is there anything that you're fearing right now? Parents, I bet that answer is yes. You look at the culture, you look at what's going on, and, and fear can really raise its ugly head. What about kids that you, your kids maybe aren't walking with the Lord, and there's fear there of what might happen? Fear of taking that next step in what the Lord wants you to do. Fear is always preventing faith. So I think it's a good time tonight during worship is to say, Lord, I'm giving you those fears. I have fears. I have concerns that we have to give to God on a daily basis. Many people uh, nowadays are getting that call from the doctor. This test result doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. What's, here's what's happening. Biopsies and surgeries. and uh, it, it, There's just so much fear that's happening. and it, it happens to all of us. My brother-in-law, some of you know, you've asked me about it. He comes here. They, they sit, he sits back there. He was down a ditch this yesterday, I think, or the day before. And he had a uh, one of those saws, a gas saw. And they're very strong because they cut ductile pipe, metal pipe. And I used to use those. The blade's about this long, and it, it just spins a thousand times per second. It's just, you're, you're sawing this pipe, and it kicked back, and it hit his jaw, and it cut his jaw, broke his jawbone, and went and slit his throat. And there's a big opening in his throat. It was, at, it was at Palmda Hospital, and the doctor said, you are one lucky man. Because if that would have been a little deeper, or right on that main artery, there's no way you could stop that blood flow. And the fear, you know, family and, and uh, especially for work and what about work, disability and how long this is going to last and just a lot of fears going on with my sister and, and, and talking to them. But they're, you know, they're handling it well and that happens to a lot of us. It, something comes in our life. It challenges our faith. Uh, I've shared this before when we first planted the church. And, and I mean, so many people are encouraging. Don't get me wrong. But it's like one out of 10 would say, oh, you're doing what? You don't plant churches on Saturday. That won't work Saturday night. Nobody wants to go to church Saturday night. I'm like, oh, I start to go home to I'm working. I don't know if this is going to work. Did God really tell us to do this? Or my favorite, I still run to people. Hey, is that pastor thing still working out for you? You know, you, you, is that what you're doing? Like, you just change, you know, and just, oh, I tried it for a little while, it didn't work. And, you know, and just, and people, and they're like, why, why are you doing that? At that time, I was in real estate. I had to earn money for the family. I was doing really good, top, top 5% in our office. They gave me an office. They wanted me to just keep, you know, the numbers. And I was getting four or five listings sometimes a month. 
and sells and 30 buyers at one time. And it was just busy, busy. Oh, I mean, you're going to, you know, uh, you're going to succeed in this and be the next whatever. And then God, a year into it, God said, hey, it's time to plant a church. He puts scaffolding up in our lives that we try to hang on to. You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.